Dominic Toretto once said, it doesn't matter if you win by an inch or a mile, winning is winning. But that's not always the case in mixed martial arts. Today we're going to take a look at that rare occasion where everybody loses, even though a winner is announced. I'm not talking about no contests or a situation like poor Chaz Skelly at Fight Night 185, having bout-canceling back spasms right before his walkout against Jamal Emmers, although that was awful for both parties. This list is all about freakish and rare situations that left both the bout's official winner and loser leaving the cage on a completely sour note, proving that winning isn't always winning, no matter what Vin Diesel says. I'm Tommy from MMA On Point, and these are 10 fights where everybody lost, even though somebody won. Number 10, Max Holloway versus Charles Oliveira. Wouldn't you just love to see Max Holloway take on Charles Oliveira right now? They're both white hot. It would be one of the biggest and best matchups you could make in the smaller weight classes. Well, guess what? It already happened in 2015, and you don't remember it because nobody left that cage feeling like a damn thing had even happened that warranted a win or a loss on the record, and yet it was so. This top 10 featherweight bout main evented UFC Fight Night 74. Holloway was six wins into his post-McGregor streak. Oliveira had bounced back from a two-fight skid to score four straight wins with four performance bonuses. This fight was going to be awesome, get your popcorn ready. The atmosphere in Saskatoon was electric. That has to be a sentence that's never been used before. That was uncalled for. The bout got started with some feeling out, nothing too big landing yet for anybody. About 90 seconds in, Oliveira shoots on a takedown and doesn't get it. These things happen, but immediately after, he stands back up and begins to hold his shoulder area and then lays on the mat. Herb Dean rightfully assumes something is up and jumps in. Everybody is confused. What was assumed to be a collarbone injury or something turned out to to be a tear in Charlie Olive's esophagus. How the fuck did you manage that? Now, he would be okay, but the bout was a total wash despite the TKO victory given to Max. Hopefully, these two get to run it back and have a real fight someday. Number 9. Robbie Lawler versus Ben Askren it was one of the most highly anticipated promotional debuts in history. After nearly a decade unbeaten elsewhere, the best welterweight in the world outside the UFC would finally be competing in the octagon after mountains and mountains of shit talk and speculation by fans about how it is he would fare. Ben Askren's first test would be a doozy too, the always dangerous former title holder Robbie Lawler. This three-minute bout was insanity. Within the first 30 seconds, Askren had been dumped on his head and looked to be finished on the ground, but somehow recovered. Now, while some fans felt there could have been a stop there. The real controversy would come just a bit later, when after Ben recovered and was grappling Robbie against the cage, a bulldog choke was applied. It was certainly tight, and as we've seen, Askren can crush a couple watermelons in his grip, but it appeared Robbie wasn't out quite yet. When an arm went suspiciously limp, though, Herb Dean had seen enough, prompting a furious Robbie Lawler to immediately stand up in protest. Was he out momentarily and came back too? Was it a bad call by Herb Dean? The MMA community was split, and as a result, Robbie was potentially robbed of a chance to escape and maybe win the bout, and Ben didn't get that definitive win in his debut that would have boosted his already hyped status even more. The weird finish left too many questions, and both fighters suffered because of it. Number 8. Derek Lewis versus Francis Ngannou what happens when two of the heaviest hitters in mixed martial arts history are locked in a cage together and forced to throw their murderous hands? One of the worst fights of all time, as it turns out. Derek Lewis versus Francis Ngannou at UFC 226 will forever be one of MMA's biggest flops. In total, 31 significant strikes were landed during a three-round affair, and I use the word significant loosely there. That's an average of just two strikes a minute to give you some perspective on how uneventful this clash of heavyweight titans turned out to be. What the hell happened? These two had a combined 15 UFC wins, 
with 14 finishes prior to the bout. Well, Ngannou was coming off his first career loss in that high-profile title fight with Stipe Miocic at UFC 220 and admitted that he was scared in the cage as a result of that failure. Basically, he froze up. As for Lewis, an ongoing back injury left him nearly entirely immobile for the length of the fight. It was the perfect storm of issues that would turn one of the most highly anticipated slugfests ever into an all-time disappointment. Lewis would get the UD win, but said after that it felt like he lost. Ngannou was thrown under the bus for the debacle by Dana White. I think his ego ran away with him, big time. I can tell you that his ego absolutely did run away with him. Luckily, they've since recovered from this disaster, and hopefully, if and when they meet again, we get the fireworks we were all expecting. Number 7. Gegard Masasi vs. Chris Weidman the kneeing of a downed opponent can cause all sorts of problems, especially when each commission now apparently has their own interpretation of what being downed even means. If we're in New York and you have a pinky touching, can I knee you in the skull? It depends on what year it is. In 2017, both hands were required to be on the mat to constitute a downed opponent, either with the palms flat or with the fists. Chris Weidman and Gegard Masasi were fighting in New York in 2017 at UFC 210. Masasi had impressively won six of his last seven going into the fight, and former champion Weidman, he was struggling. He'd lost two in a row, including his title, so he needed a rebound here. And leading up to the incident that made this an entry on our list, Weidman was most definitely winning the fight, scoring multiple takedowns and getting the better of the ground battle. However, during an exchange in the second round, Chris was kneed twice in the head as his hands dangled in and out of the range of the mat. Dan Mergliata stopped the action, calling the blows illegal. However, neither of them were illegal. Oops! Upon replay, Big John let Big Dan know there was no foul, but by that point, Weidman had already told the doctors it was February when it was April. Chris, upon learning the knee was legal, was suddenly of sound mind again, but the fight had been stopped and the doctors weren't buying it. Truthfully, these knees weren't that devastating. The fight definitely should have gone on had Mergliata not stopped the action. And so in the end, Weidman loses a third bout in a row because of this weird-ass situation, and Masasi's victory doesn't look legit. Everybody goes home sad. Number 6. Demetrius Johnson vs. Ian McCall It's perhaps the stupidest situation on our list, and a reminder that judges are about as dependable as airplane Wi-Fi. Future champ Demetrius Johnson and Ian McCall were duking it out in the semi-final of the UFC Flyweight Tournament at UFC on FX2, which at its conclusion would crown the first-ever champion in the newly minted division. To ensure a winner, the UFC would force a sudden victory round in the event of a draw during any tournament bouts. You know I wouldn't be mentioning that stipulation if it didn't have something to do with what happened. DJ took the first two rounds of the fight, but saw himself getting smashed in the third. You could argue a 10-8 round, as well as a stoppage at one point. Uncle Creepy really had Mighty Mouse on the ropes. Johnson survived, though, and so it would go to the judges' scorecards, revealing a majority decision victory for DJ. Tommy, you just said the sudden victory stipulation would have something to do with this. Why did you lie to me? I didn't lie to you, because as it turns out, somebody added up the scorecards wrong, and so at the post-fight press conference, Dana White revealed that the bout was actually a majority draw, meaning it was supposed to go into a fourth sudden death round, a round starting after a significant beating by McCall. Instead, the two would be forced to rematch a few months later, and Johnson would get the UD. Everybody got screwed here. DJ's victory was taken away, Ian should have got his fourth round, the tournament got held up, and all because somebody couldn't count to 30. Math, 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 math. Number 5. Chael Sonnen vs. Paulo Filio 2 Yelling out in pain constitutes a verbal tap in mixed martial arts, 
And even though referee Josh Rosenthal correctly called a stop to the bout between Chael Sonnen and Paulo Filio for the WEC middleweight title due to an armbar, Sonnen used the fact that he had not physically tapped to argue the win's legitimacy, and so a rematch was scheduled, initially for WEC 33. But Filio was forced into drug rehab, a sign of problems to come. After a win over Brian Baker, the bout was scheduled a second time at WEC 36. There were issues before the fight even started, with Paulo missing weight by seven pounds, making Sonnen's second attempt at defeating someone who at the time was considered by many in the media the second best middleweight in the world behind Anderson Silva, a non-title bout. Sonnen would easily win this time, scoring 30-27s on all three judges' scorecards, but the prestige of the win was robbed from him as the struggling Filio was having a breakdown mid-fight, talking to people who weren't there and other bizarre behavior. Fans weren't into the lackluster fight either, and even though Chael won, everything felt tainted. The missed weight, the state of Paulo, whatever he would have gained from beating the 16-0 champion, evaporated alongside Filio's career. The Brazilian promised to ship the title to Sonnen, and eventually did, but nobody came out of this one feeling good about what went down. Number 4. Chris Weidman vs. Anderson Silva 2 when unbeaten middleweight standout Chris Weidman marched down to the octagon at UFC 162, draped in old glory to the tune of Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers' I Won't Back Down, nobody was expecting much. After all, this was about against Anderson Silva, the reigning defending greatest of all time 185-er. This kid with nine pro bouts wasn't about to dethrone him. Then a minute 18 into the second, he made history by KOing the spider and taking his title. A rematch was set up for later that year given Silva's title history and, well, the circumstances. See, Weidman won fair and square, but the way Silva clowned around, and because of Chris's unknown status, fans thought it maybe was a fluke. UFC 168 would be his chance to prove them wrong, and things were going great. Weidman won the first round and even hurt Anderson, but the champ can be a slow starter, and round two was coming up. At nearly the exact moment the first fight ended, Silva horrifyingly broke his leg on a checked kick by Weidman, ending the fight in shocking fashion. The TKO felt bittersweet. Weidman didn't get a chance to put a normal end to his opponent, and so those who felt it was a fluke the first time might have still been inclined. And for Silva, a long road to recovery was ahead, and he would never reach the title picture again. I have no doubt this was not how either fighter wanted to end their night. Number 3. Pyotr Jan vs. Aljamain Sterling Ripped from the headlines, it's the first ever UFC title change via a disqualification finish to a fight. What more do I even need to say? Well, let's talk about what constitutes a downed opponent again. If a single knee is on the mat, your hands can be raising the roof if you wanted, and it would still be considered illegal to knee you in the face. In the fourth round of their bantamweight title fight at UFC 259, champ Pyotr Jan was getting the better of Aljamain Sterling. He was up officially two rounds on two of the judges' scorecards. That was until Jan absolutely blasted Aljo with a knee when he was most definitely grounded. The fight was stopped, the fight was called when Sterling couldn't continue, and seeing as the knee didn't just slip and fall into Aljo's face, it was definitely thrown on purpose, and thus the ruling was a disqualification, meaning we had a new champ and he was Aljamain Sterling. Nobody was at the Apex Center to boo, but you can bet this one wouldn't have gone over well with the fans. Ultimately, it was the right call, whether you're in the camp that believes Sterling has the acting chops of Meryl Streep or not, but the outcome was just sour all around. Jan loses his title in a fight he was definitely winning. Aljo is now champ, but it doesn't feel legitimate. Bad vibes all around. It nearly killed the card, in fact. Here's hoping they run it back soon and sort this mess out. Number 2. Jermaine Durandamy vs. Holly Holm 
Life can come at you pretty fast. Prior to UFC 208, Jermaine Durandamy may not have been beloved, but there was certainly no reason to hate her. And as for her opponent that night for the inaugural Women's Featherweight Championship, what fighter is more universally liked than the preacher's daughter and Ronda Rousey destroyer Holly Holm? Things would get really ugly really fast, though, when in their lackluster five rounds back and forth, twice Durandamy would hit Holm after the horn. The first late blow hurting the former Bantamweight champion badly after the second round. When the third round ended with a similar foul, the crowd was livid and expected points to be taken away. Instead, referee Todd Anderson gave her another verbal warning, which while not technically incorrect as it's left to his discretion, just about everyone in the MMA world expected a deduction. Had one occurred, the fight would have been a draw as Jermaine would win by a single point on all three cards. But that's not what happened, and this was just bad all around. Duranami came off as this crazed villain and was booed mercilessly. Holm got screwed out of, at the very least, a draw and possibly a world title depending on how she might have performed without getting black illegally. This loser-filled night would have an even shittier footnote when GDR would be stripped of the title 128 days later for refusing to fight Chris Cyborg. What a clusterfuck. Number 1. Vitor Belfort vs. Randy Couture 2 an absolute bummer all around. Randy Couture and Vitor Belfort were set to compete for the light heavyweight strap in the main event of UFC 46 in January of 2004, a rematch of their bout six years previous in a heavyweight title eliminator at UFC 15. Couture was the belt holder going in, having just taken it from megastar Tito Ortiz the September previous. It was a big-time bout between two of the sport's best, and it would take a sour turn fast. Less than a minute into the fight, Vitor's glove would inadvertently damage Randy's eye when a left hook grazed it during the early action. The resulting damage was too severe and the doctor called a stop to the contest before it ever really even got a chance to get going. Because the injury was caused by a punch and not a foul, the official ruling was a TKO victory for Belfort. The crowd was not happy, as you can imagine, but there's an entirely more awful layer to this situation than the belt changing hands in an unsatisfying way. Three weeks prior to the bout, Vitor's sister Priscilla was kidnapped and murdered. At the time, her fate was unknown and she was still considered a missing person. Belfort had dedicated the bout to her and donned a t-shirt with her image on it for his understandably emotional post-fight interview. An immediate rematch would take place at UFC 49 where Couture would recapture his title, but nobody left this one feeling good about anything. Huge shout out to Max Randall for editing this video together. Follow him on Twitter at Max underscore Randall. A big, big thank you to Ben Rosette who provided that sweet tune you heard in the intro. Check out his music by clicking the link in the description and go give him a follow on his Instagram and Twitter page at Ben Rosette. Thanks for watching. Please give us a like and subscribe. We've got three new videos or more for you every single week. Let us know what you thought of the video in the comments below. Follow On Point MMA on Twitter and have yourself a wonderful day.